getting directly into the cash flowing aspect mm. of it. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, you can make a uh, million dollars a year wholesaling houses, easy peasy. But yeah. now you're paying three hundred fifty thousand dollars in taxes, and you got a nice bank account. But if you stop working, you get hurt or injured, you know, whatever. Yeah. Then uh, that stops. It all goes so, away. Yeah. So cash silly. flow. Yeah. If you're a real estate investor who's sick and tired of living deal to deal, then welcome home. Hear from everyday real estate investors just like you and discover how they've completely transformed their business by taking a profit-first approach. This is the Profit First for REI podcast, where we believe revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. It's time to start making profit a habit in your business. So here's your host, David Richter. Hey, we've got Brandon Richards on the Profit First REI podcast today. Talks about some good first steps, no matter if you're down the road real estate investing or if you're just starting out of what he wishes he would have done, some lessons learned along the way. He literally talks about a story about a dumpster fire, just trying to help you make more money, spend it in the right place and keep more of what you're making. So he definitely helps you with some of those first steps and gives you a different perspective, even if you're in the trenches, a different exit strategy that I don't think a lot of people are doing and you might want to add to it. So enjoy the episode. Brandon Richards, excited to have you on the podcast today here. I'm Looking forward to diving into this. I got your biography. I've been on your thing in the past, like on your podcast. So I'm excited to go into this because a lot of people respect you in this space and we're a part of a lot of the same networks and groups. So thanks for being on the show today. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, let's dive into this. Real estate investor. You're a lot like a lot of the people that I know in the space that we know in the space. So just tell a little bit about your background. So if people don't know you or have never listened to your podcast, so that way they can get to know where you are. Yeah. So um, my wife and I, we've been in real estate for about nine years. Um, We got into it uh, a semi-traditional way. We knew that real estate is where we wanted to go. It's, you know, how most millionaires have made their wealth. Or they put money in real estate, one or the other. But um, so we knew real estate was the avenue. I went the realtor route, then I went the wholesale, and then flipping, and then now we're kind of doing a little bit of all of it, kind of a hectic mess. But um, currently, we're concentrating on a lot of wholesaling, um, and um, I place manufactured houses, double wides, on land. Cool. What would you say is your favorite exit strategy that you've done over the years? Um, probably the manufactured houses, um, the new ones, just because, uh, it's very, uh, strategic and there's no unknowns that can't be like really dialing into a procedure versus a flip. Like you pull out a wall, you never know what you're going to find, but on these manufactured houses, it's, um, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And are you building those, did you say? Or like, what are you doing with the manufactured? Like, or are you just finding them, buying them, and then renovating them? Uh, no. So the manufactured houses are ordered from um, uh, separate manufacturers. We've ordered from Clayton, uh, Cavco, uh, Schulte, yeah, a couple of them. But uh, yeah, we order, we order them from the manufacturers. So I'll buy a piece of land, either raw land or one that has a property on it that isn't livable, and I'll tear it down. And then we put the new one on there. Okay. So then you said that's one of your main exit strategies today, correct? Yeah. Main and um, not necessarily 
fun, but favorite, I guess there's uh, typically more profit in it. And it's like I said, there's no, there's no unknowns. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then you, what, where are you now? Like what locations in case people are, are new yet? Yeah. Flagstaff, Arizona, Northern Arizona, where we, uh, we get snow. So right now I think it's like 40 something degrees, but this morning it was 23 when I woke up. Ah, wow. So you don't think about that. Yeah. That's Arizona why I mentioned it. Right. Is that, uh, is that <clears throat> typical for where you live? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're at 7,000 feet up here elevation. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we're um, we're in the largest stand of ponderosa pines in the United States, yeah. and um, we just got one giant mountain, and yeah. Okay, there you go. Well, then <laughs> you said you got into real estate nine years ago with your spouse, yeah, and it was the traditional route. Like, what made you guys even go down? You said you want to do real estate. Like, did you hear it somewhere? Did you read the purple book? You know, like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like, what even um, got you pushed down that road? Yeah, I'll have to think about it. So I did read the book. Um, hmm. So when I first got into it, uh, me and my buddy were doing similar things. He owned a glass shop. I owned a carpet cleaning franchise. And we were just uh, solopreneurs doing the doing uh, the nine to five, basically, but working for ourselves. And we knew we wanted to get in real estate, but we didn't know what that looked like. Um, and I was living at Flagstaff at the time. And just going through a divorce. And so when I mm. moved away, I must have been on bigger pockets and saw something about wholesaling. And I was like, well, what okay. the hell is that? Yeah, you know, no money, no money yeah. in flipping houses. So uh, that's the avenue I wanted to approach uh, at that time. Uh, so we moved to Texas. I moved in with my girlfriend and I brought my two kids with me. We lived off of her teacher salary for. A while, probably over a year before I even got one realtor transaction going. And it was probably, I don't know, a year and a half before I had my first wholesale and really found out that real estate was, you know, what I wanted to pursue long term. Yeah. So then you stick stuck with it. Seems like it's panned out for you. <laughs> You're still in the real estate game. So now you've yeah. got a yeah. Yeah. Just like everybody else, there's been a roller coaster months yeah. and years, but yeah, it's been great. Okay. Yeah, I hear that a lot, right? In the real yeah. estate space, the roller right, coaster yeah. up and downs. So then let's talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind, the roller coaster sure. up and down. Did you, during that time, did you ever want to get out of real estate during the, the months that were pretty low? You cut out for a second there, but you said you want did I ever think about backing out or getting yeah, out of it? Out of, getting out of real estate. Um, no, because... I haven't had a job since I was 24-ish, 23 maybe. So it's been about 13, 14 years. And I don't know that I could do it, honestly. Uh, I've just been solo, you know, out here on my own for so long that I just don't know if I could do it. But I didn't really have a backup option. So I I never really took it seriously, even though I was like, crap, I might have to get a job. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. No, I just wonder because a lot of people go through those ups and downs. Some people yeah. it's like, oh man, do I even want to stay in it? So then, you what time around what time did you read the book Profit First? Um, uh, was about the time me and you did a podcast. So that was probably four years ago, roughly. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So it's been a while. I need to, I need yeah. to read. Jump back I in. I was I think, say, ju- jump back into it. I think I have it right. 
It's right here somewhere, but yeah, I yeah. had to read it again. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people do in this day and age or this climate yeah. in the real estate. Especially space. now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The sun's shining. It's easy to make the money. Yeah. But when it's not, where are you going to get it? So, right. So then well, let's talk about that. What, uh, why do you think a lot of real estate investors live deal to deal? I think it's uh, many things. Uh, I think the one of the primary f- driving factors is marketing and it's consistent. You know, sometimes as when you're doing all of it, as uh, in, taking intake calls, you're doing appointments, you're you're managing the rehabs, you're also the guy sending out the letters. Um, you know, when you've got a deal or two, um, you know, underway, you kind of uh, pull off a throttle and you pull back on your marketing or you forget your marketing or you delay it a few weeks because you're too busy. And, and then it, and then the cycle lets off and uh, the deal flows, slows down. Yeah. So it's that consistency. So consistency in marketing, consistency yeah. in everything, you know, like to yeah. get it up and running. So is that why you like doing the manufactured home? Because it can have more consistency, that predictability and able to, to not have those surprises as much. Oh yeah, and I don't have to. Ha- I don't have to hire uh, licensed plumbers, electricians. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I just pull building permits. The uh, setup guys are licensed setup. They marry the two halves together. They connect the two electrical sides together, the HVAC and the plumbing, and uh, and then my ground crew who does my pad will tap in my sewage and everything on the outside. So I don't ever have to go searching for new contractors it's just these three people that go there that makes it a lot easier so then what about the acquisition it's like obviously you just order the the manufactured home but you have to have some place to put it is that the like the marketing to try and find a place to put the you know manufactured home or what would you say is the consistency on the that front um, yeah, so I'm just looking for land or crappy houses. So yeah. the ones I know that need to be torn down, they're just mm. the old school driving for dollars. Yeah. So if it looks like I can get it for a dollar amount that is worth tearing down, then they'll get a letter. But outside of that, it's just uh, pulling county records for all raw land and mailing it. Okay. So it's raw land. Is it, I guess, to put a manufactured home on, is it? sometimes always rural areas or is it sometimes in suburban areas or like, what would you say for that? My first one was out in a rural area. It was North of Williams, close to the grand Canyon. Okay. And uh, it was on an acre. And that one, that one was rural enough to where it only had APS power. It had no uh, water or sewage. So we had to put in a cistern tank for water and they, they bring in their water and fill it up or you can hire a company and uh, a septic system. So we had to put in a um, yeah, fairly expensive septic system there. Okay. But typically, are they in rural places like that? Or is can you put them wherever? Like you, like you oh. tear down. If you're driving for dollars, where do you drive for dollars? In the city or like? Oh, area, yeah. You know, type thing? Uh, it's zoning. Okay. It yeah. So, for it. Yeah. So we have areas that are single family only. They won't allow manufacturers. And then there's zoning that allows for both and then there's zoning that only allows for manufacturers so yeah uh just paying attention to the zoning paying attention to the zoning yeah okay so then you do the manufactured homes and you do wholesaling as well too so is the yep. wholesaling just typical single family um, ah, kind of semi semi-typical so i've okay. i uh, again i'm still finding land my buddy's a infill developer he builds brand yeah. new spec homes 
So I find all of his land for him. Um, I'm also the broker on the sales side, but I say not typical wholesaling because uh, I've wholesaled hotels, motels, um, uh, storage facilities, uh, warehouses, mobile home parks. Uh, yeah, quite a bit of different, different things. Do you target those things or do they come in just when you blast a list at, you know, and you're just trying to get, you know, marketing and leads in the door? Uh, no, I target them. Okay. So you yeah. like doing the the not specific, you know, single family houses or just not oh, yeah. targeting those two? Yeah. The single family has gotten to a point where I've just about seen it all. I'm sure I'll run into more things, dozens sure. of things in the future, but there's nothing that's ultra unpredictable at this point for me. So it's gotten kind of boring and it's easy to get done with the crew that I have. Yeah. And so like you're aware, I joined Investor Fuel Cashflow. So my goal moving forward is to get into larger commercial deals and multifamily deals. And uh, the easiest way to do that is for me anyways, I feel like is just to force the incoming calls and uh, figure out if it's something that I can pull off or wholesale. Okay. So then now when you target wholesale, is it mainly those weird type of deals that you're going after? You know, like the hotels, motels, you know, the storage facilities uh it's about 70 percent single family right now okay. if i'm thinking about my actual direct mail yeah uh, to 30 uh, commercial assets anything from again storage family or storage yeah. apartments uh and mobile parks primarily okay well yeah. then do you see wholesaling those as easier harder better profit like doing that the commercial type i guess versus single family uh, I don't think it's any easier or harder. It's pretty okay. similar in my opinion, uh, but it is more money for, on the wholesale side. Yeah. So you and they're, and they're kind of fun. Yeah, they're kind of fun. Now, I like for it. For those types of deals that aren't the typical sig- single family, is it mainly assignment or double close like when you wholesale? Uh, I'm wholesaling those. So assignments of contracts versus so double closing. Doing, during, yeah. Versus double closing. Because I was wondering yeah. too. You know, I know that all depends on your area sometimes and like the title companies and that, but I was yeah. wondering if you're actually assigning the contract or if you had to double close on some of the, on some of the, yeah, things. it's, it's all been assignments. Um, and mostly because the, again, it's my buddy that I'm assigning them to, yeah, uh, the ones that sense. I've done. So it's, uh, somebody I can trust and it's easy. Um, if I were to find a new buyer, then I would probably double close until double I close. gained that you know relationship. I was going to say, because if someone's out there, it sounds like, number one, find a buddy like that. <laughs> you yeah, can yeah, just right. Bring the deals too, kind of like reverse wholesaling, you know, yeah. where you're just finding the deals and then bringing it to him and assigning it. Right. But if you were to find a new buyer, you'd probably have to double close it until you build yeah. that trust factor. So, okay. Right. No, that's cool. So I think that'll, that's something if you're listening to that, you could take away from right there. I yeah. kind of like that too. Would you say that's the same thing on the single family side? It's like, would you have to, double close for a lot of them until you assign or is it um, easier to just assign for you? Kind of, sort of. A lot of wholesalers will mitigate that potential risk with requiring a non-refundable earnest money or down yeah. payment or whatever they want to call it. So they'll make them put five or $7,000 in title, uh, non-refundable unless something in title search arises yeah. um, to mitigate that, that type of risk. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, from there, it's getting the money closed, then going out doing it again. But it sounds like you as an investor are trying to get more consistency of like, hey, this is the 
the rentals, you know, or commercial deals or that type of thing, because what are you wanting the, the consistent cash flow or like becoming an investor? Like why the change from the manufactured wholesale? And now you've been joining this mastermind group, just wanting the thought process behind it. Yeah, it's definitely cash flow driven. Okay. Um, uh, I, when I moved, when I moved to Texas and I got it all started, I bought some apartments out there, had some storage had a couple of duplexes, a few single families. And, um, when I moved, I found that for me, fairly burdensome to manage. Um, and they weren't great assets either. So I didn't, yeah. um, envision keeping them long-term to begin with. So I sold those and I'm just looking to get back into it. Uh, now that I'm back out here. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So it's like something new and then getting back into it. Want the consistent cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. We're just in a, yeah, we're in a tricky market because up here yeah. uh, we're selling uh, duplexes for like 1.1, 1.3 million. Ooh. It's stupid. Yeah. 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 Pretty, and I mean, is there a market for that? It sounds like up there for the duplexes because that's usually an yeah. investor buyer, right? And not yeah. a, not a owner occupant. So is right. that why you say you're in kind of a different market? Cause it's like, we're yeah, able to sell these duplexes and for a lot. Yeah, it's crazy expensive. So uh, the cap rates don't work, uh, and especially with the interest rates, it doesn't uh, pencil out either way. Right. So I'm looking outside of our area right now. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah. Very cool. Well, you've got quite the wide experience there. And then you originally said you jumped into it with your wife. Like, is she involved today in the business still? Uh, kind of, sort of. So in the beginning, it was. Um, if bandit signs like old school newbie wholesale stuff bandit signs we were putting out bandit signs together we were handwriting all of our letters together and then finally we got we got out of the bandit signs and then we found a mail place to send our mail out for us um so now she does just our bookkeeping essentially okay cool so she's still tied to it but now it's yeah more of just well she sees she sees the important stuff she sees the money right yeah through the yeah bank. she's yeah she's making sure i'm not buying too much things or yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's good that's good yeah. i like that well yeah. then what you've been in real estate for a while now you've done a lot of different types of deals and yeah. seen those results what would you say has been i don't know maybe the hardest lesson you've learned as a real estate investor man probably probably all those rentals I had back in Texas okay. really. And, um, those were bought, right. I had, uh, I had a good amount of equity. I had decent cash flow, but I chose the wrong areas. They are in, oh, what do they call them? Tertiary markets. So yeah. it was pretty far outside of Dallas. You know, there's, there's the main city of DFW and then there's uh, outlying cities where I lived. And then there was outlying city where I bought the stuff. And, man, it was just, I don't want, yeah, we, yeah without being rude, just it wasn't the right market for me. Sure. It was hard to get a tenant that would pay on time. Mm. We had a lot of older people, a lot of drugged up people. So we had three deaths while I owned it. We had wow. some, yeah, somebody set my my dumpster on fire. Uh, it was a nightmare. I had a it giant was oak tree. A dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a drug deal gone bad. Like somebody put wow. a, a mattress out there and then on my camera, I see this drug deal going on at night and the cops show up. They figured out on his way out, he lights the mattress and burns the whole, whole dumpster down. Yeah. It was pretty dumb. So you've learned the location. And yeah. uh, the type of people that you want in your rentals now. And like yeah. that's probably made a de decision on where you're going today. Like, do you own any rentals today? 
or any no. of those? Okay. No. No, don't own yeah. those anymore. No. So those ones started at, uh, when I took it over, the rents were 450 month to month. And I got them up to 650, some of them 700 a month. So I was able to bring the income up. Yeah. But it's still just, uh, yeah, just not good tenants. And it, it okay. probably a screening issue. So I didn't train my manager very well. So there's a lot of things that were definitely uh, placed on me. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it came down to bad area too. Yeah. It sounds like, because I used to live in Northwest Indiana. It sounds like, it sounds like Gary, Indiana, like rents. Oh, you know, where yeah. Could have yeah, I've been to Gary a month and six fifty a month and that type of yep. thing. So sounds like yep. that type of area. But yeah, it's it's all about getting the right person in the place because sometimes a bad tenant is worse than no tenant and nothing yeah. coming in. Um, right. Especially if yep. they're lighting the dumpster on fire or uh, drug deals going down and all that stuff. So oh like yeah, Gary. it was crazy. Yeah, we yeah, there's all kinds of stories in that. I was going to say it we actually, could probably just tell yeah. stories the whole time here. It actually burned down this year. Uh, half of it burned down the current owner when they bought it. So I don't know yeah. what happened. I don't know the story, but it's currently um, on Facebook Marketplace as a wholesale. They're trying to find a buyer, uh, and I don't know what the situation is, but yeah. they haven't bothered trying to fix it up. So I don't know if they scammed the insurance or I don't yeah. know, but it's still half burnt down a year later. Yeah. Wow. Now they're probably trying to pay someone to just take it off their hands. Yeah. <laughs> that time. Yeah, for half of what they paid me for yeah oh wow yep fun stuff yeah okay so then leads into this question if you started your business over from scratch again today is there anything mm -hmm. different you would do or anything you'd put in place or systems or i don't know like what would you do different starting all over um i don't know my mind went straight to i would get go straight into wholesaling okay um you know, if I was starting over, my assumption is that I was broke as well. So wholesaling yeah. would be where I would go. Um, ATM rough and running. Yeah, uh, I don't see. I don't think the way I started was wrong yeah. or um, a negative thing, but it's not necessary. You don't have to clearly have your license. It's not necessary. Although it's benefited me over the years to be able to have a supplemental type of income when things did slow down on the wholesale flipping side. So that yeah. would, that's, that's been nice. Yeah. Awesome. So that's what you would do. You go into wholesale, you then have the supplemental income, probably yeah. buy rentals in a better area. Like if you're going to go into yeah. rentals again, start, yeah. start this somewhere there, then, okay. Then any other advice that you would give someone who's let's do two people, person who's mm -hmm. getting into real estate. And then the person yeah. who's already in real estate, been in it for a while. Like, would you give it the same set of advice or would you give different advice for someone who's either new or down the road? Um, yeah, it'd be probably the same advice that I'm working on giving myself right now is getting directly into the cash flowing aspect mm. of it. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, you can make a uh, million dollars a year wholesaling houses, easy peasy, but yeah. now you're paying $350,000 in taxes and you got a nice bank account, but if you stop working and you get hurt or injured, you know, whatever, yeah. then uh, that stops. It all goes so, away. Yeah. So cash flow. Yeah. The cash flow, the recurring revenue, getting yep. into that. Where would you say someone would need to start to get go down that road? Would it be a book, a mastermind, a meetup? Like just go out and do a deal? Like where would you say, in your opinion, oh. like the best way, the quickest path to action to actually make that happen? That one is tough. So the route I took was 
man, I learned a lot on bigger pockets back when okay. it was it was not so much of a pitch fest in there. Yeah. YouTube. Um, and then it was a lot of networking and being around the right people. But nowadays there's a lot of really good books that can be found for wholesaling. Um, but on top of all of that, I've found that the easiest, well, what makes real estate easier for me is having, um, access to private money. So if you can build those relationships mm. early on, then it makes the scaling a little bit easier. Yeah. So you can do the whole Burr method. Um, that makes sense to get into that. Yeah. So finding private money, do you have a yeah. favorite source? Is this friends and family? Is this going to a meetup? Is this joining something? I don't know. Like, where would you say um, the first step is there? Yeah, I was uh, I, I was never around money, so nobody in my family has a tremendous okay. amount of money. Uh, although that's a good source for a lot of people I do know. Yeah, um, but it's going to be networking. Awesome yeah. events, uh, masterminds. If you can get into them, um, yeah, that's but well, mostly networking. Yeah, well, there we go. There's the first yeah. places to go. But yeah, awesome. I just want to get your opinion because like you're in the trenches, you're doing it day in day yeah. out. A lot of people listening are either wanting to get into it or they're in it, and it's like, okay, what what experience from what you have can they glean from? So I think this is really good. Number one, like think about cash flowing assets, and like if you're just starting over again, wholesaling, getting the ATM and the money up and running, so you can yep. pour it into cash flowing right. assets, and then networking. Go out there, find the people. You're going to always <laughs> need money in the real oh, estate yeah. investing arena, so make sure you have the private lenders. And yeah, I, I love that. It's like either masterminds or network, you know, meetup.com or like just your local. That's a good place to start as well, too. So this has been yep. it's been really good. I want to make sure that how if people want to follow you or you get in touch with you or whatever you might need, if you're looking for private lenders or whatever, how do mm. people get a hold of you? Uh, I wish I had a website, but I do not. So probably yeah. the best place right now would be my uh, Facebook. I'm pretty active on there. And um, Instagram, if you're on Instagram, I've, I've transitioned my Instagram from personal to mostly yeah. business right now. Um, What's the LinkedIn. handle? You got a handle for Instagram? Do you know it off yeah. the top of your head? Um, Brandon Fearless Brandon. Pursuit of Freedom. No, Fearless, Fearless Pursuit of Freedom. Yeah, like my podcast. Yeah. Awesome. And then you've yeah. got the podcast too. What and that's the name of it? Give it one more yeah. time for people. Yeah, it's the uh, Fearless Pursuit of Freedom podcast. Is that on everything? They can just everything. look at it. Apple, yeah. Spotify, all that stuff that people listen yep. to podcasts on. Very cool. Yep. Well, there you go. Well, if you like Brandon here, go check him out there. If you want to get in touch with him, that's how to get in touch with him. Then he's got his podcast as well, which is great. And I just want to make sure if you're listening to this and you're making money and feeling broke, make sure to head over to simplecfo.com. I want to make sure you're keeping more of what you're making because I think Brandon gave you a lot of good first steps of how to make money and like what are the best things from his experience of like to stay away from and to get into and what to be thinking about. So just want to pair that yin and yang there. Head over to simplecfo.com. Remember to make profit a habit in your business, not just an event you're looking forward to in the future. So Brandon, thank you so much for providing the value here and for being a great guest on the Prop First REI podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. This episode of the Profit First for REI podcast is over, but there are plenty more where that came from. Are you ready to learn how David and his team can help implement the Profit First system in your business? Schedule a discovery call at simplecfo.com right now. We'll see you next time on the Profit First for REI podcast with David Richter.